Welcome to Post Status Draft, the official podcast for Post Status, a website with news and information for WordPress professionals. Today, I'm talking with Human Made CEO Tom Wilmot. They recently released an employee handbook where they open up about all of their internal corporate policies and all sorts of stuff uh, that has to do with running a remote company and running a company within the WordPress space. I think you'll enjoy this episode, and uh, we all have a great opportunity to learn a lot of uh, interesting stuff from Tom about how they've built their company to have dozens of people all over the world working in human-made. If you enjoy this podcast and get more quality news and analysis from the Post Status Club, check out our current club members, site partners, and join the club on our website at poststatus.com club. You'll be joining more than 900 wonderful club members, and you won't miss important WordPress news again. Today, I want to feature one of our partners, Optin Monster. Optin Monster is the best lead generation tool that there is, and it's a proven way to convert abandoning visitors into subscribers. They have some cool new tools that I'm excited to talk about during the break, and check out Optin Monster at optinmonster.com. Now, here's the show. All right, I'm here today with a special guest co-host and the... Uh, the better of the two co-founders of made. <laughs> is that unfair? <laughs> uh, this is Tom Wilmot, the CEO of Human Made, co-founder of Human Made, and uh, our normal co-host Joe Hoyle's brother. Hey, Tom. Hey, Brian. Good to be here. One of my favorite things is to um, see you in person and talk about my and Joe's conversations and get your feedback on what he said about Human Made and how. Uh, you feel about what he said because <laughs> I, I know uh, y'all come from kind of different sides of the business sometimes these days, even though you're both developers, but you're doing a lot of the day-to-day management stuff. And uh, Joe st- still keeps his head in the code a lot. So I know y'all have different perspectives on kind of how things are going at human made. Um, yeah, that, that's very true. We, uh, you know, it, it, the three partners, me, Joe and Noel, you know, broadly focus on on somewhat uh, different aspects of the company, um, and so it's always interesting to hear, uh, you know, one of us talking about stuff that uh, isn't uh, necessarily the stuff we do day to day. You know, I've I've spent time nodding in agreement, and I've spent time uh, shouting uh, in rage <laughs> <laughs> as I'm listening to you two talk about. Uh, about about some stuff, but I mean, I, I'm 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 joking somewhat, obviously. But yeah, no, nah, he's <laughs> he's always a a good representative of the company, and uh, I think so. But t- yeah. but today I replaced him with you, um, and specifically well, finally, because uh, you know, finally it's yeah. past due, maybe. Uh, I think it was. It was always on the cards. Um, I think <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if you make it to an episode two. Um, so wow, okay. <laughs> you're on trial uh i wanted to talk specifically today about something that made the rounds a few weeks ago uh but y'all released the human made handbook um obviously this could have been something joe and i chatted about but this is very much your realm of of the company and kind of business um development and management stuff and it kind of astonished me in several ways one just like putting your entire handbook out for public inspection, I think is really cool. And then also just the policies individually um, just are interesting to talk about. Like this is kind of an, 
uh, unapproached subject in a lot of businesses. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about that. So I guess let's start with just saying, um, why did y'all decide to make uh, your company handbook public and kind of what's generally covered in a document like this? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, internally, the handbook is, you know, is, is something we've had probably since we've be, we were six or seven people. Um, oh, wow. You know, and it kind of just started out as a way for us to self-document our, uh, like, the, the way that we were working. Um, right. So I think maybe some of the first things that went into that were like, how should I approach expensing things for the company? Or, uh, or how should I uh, um, tell my team that I'm going to go on holiday? So kind of really practical things like that, which, you know, it, it, they really were um, ways of working that we were coming up with as a team. And it was just useful to write them down so that we didn't have to, uh, uh, you know, to, so that we could remember them. Um, yeah. for, and obviously over time as we've grown. Yeah, sorry, go on. For, no, it's fine. For anyone listening, if you do want to follow along, uh, with the handbook, it's at handbook.hmn.md. Um, but it's obviously not going to be necessary for our conversation. But if you want to see it, that's where to go. Or it'll be in the show notes, of course. Yeah, definitely do go go read it and, and give us feedback on what you find there. Um, so you, so is it always yeah, been so in the website form or was it like just kind of scattered? It's always been in the website form. Um, you know, it's in, its first iteration was a, I think, a vanilla 2012 uh, or 20. 11 or something install um so it wasn't wasn't too pretty to look at um and broad you know broadly it it's kind of been hr related things and uh, and and kind of how we work guides uh, for mm-hmm. various things so i mean back in the early days we had handbook articles on like how to ssh into one of our client servers or something like that you know a lot of practical stuff in there as well yeah. over time it, it those uh, kind of different uh, needs uh Diverged, and we ended up with like we now got an engineering handbook and uh, an infrastructure handbook, and, and you know got handbooks covering the, the the kind of various aspects of of how we work. And the, the this this handbook that we just published is kind of our HR handbook, really. It's the policies mm-hmm. and uh, procedures um, of being you know that cover being employed. Um, and so it kind of grew organically for 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 it, you know the first several years of its life, and. Um, you know, even back then, we all—I kind of always had this goal that we would be able to release it publicly. Um, one, just uh, you know, because why not? Like, I, I kind of, I kind of feel like there isn't a good argument for it not to be public, and I think there are benefits to it being public. Um, like, it will force us to care about it more because uh, now it's uh, representing us to the world, and so we've got to uh, make sure that it's, uh, you know, it's doing so well. Um, and, uh, you know, gives other people a way to, to tell us if something in there isn't great and then we can improve it. Um, so that's, you know, that's useful. People can kind of the benefits of open source software, really, uh, you know, some of that translates over to the benefits of, of having some open policies. Um, also actually, like, I didn't even think, is this actually literally open source? Like is the content itself? It is. So the contents is licensed under uh, creative commons. Um, awesome. And so that, you know, all of that is is, is completely, uh, you know, for, for use, or, you know, with the caveat that I think it says this on the on the website in the footer, you know, this is just stuff we've made up for ourselves. Um, and so, uh, you know, uh, it might not be applicable to every situation um, and we may well be getting some things wrong. Um, in fact, you know, I'm sure we are. 
Um, so yeah, I, I suppose, um, you know, it's existed internally in some form and, and has had, you know, gone through various iterations of, of becoming out of date and needing updating and new stuff getting added. And, um, you know, it hasn't always, uh, been as good as it's, as it's been now. Um, but once we got to, you know, kind of this, this current size that, that we're at, which I'd broadly say is like the 25 to 50 range, um, uh, we kind of had a, a bit more of a concerted effort to to uh, get get it up to, um, to to the kind of quality level it needed to be. So we worked with like an outside HR consultancy and legal um, uh, firm and um, Siobhan internally led a project to to basically rewrite the handbook and make sure that we were um, kind of compliant in all the countries that we're doing business in and that um, uh, you know there was no uh, no kind of gotchas or oversights in there. Um, and so that that then really is is kind of what led to this current iteration. How uh, familiar were the HR consultant and legal teams that you work with, even with the concept of like a small but global team and the like challenges that exist uh, from that perspective, especially yeah, with not, uh, not at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, uh, that was that was gonna um, be my guess. <laughs> you know, they they, they broadly thought. Um, all of this was completely insane. <laughs> um, and, you know, why Why would you be doing, trying to do business in all these con- countries? And why, um, you know, are you uh, uh, being this generous with your employees? And uh, why would you possibly want to release this publicly? Uh, you know, I think on all three counts, there was varying degrees of, of uh, confusion um, you know, uh-huh. both from from uh, from like the legal representatives we were talking to, who who are you know their their whole they job is to reduce to reduce like, the risk yeah. that we are you know right reduce liability, reduce risk, and and clearly by um, giving our you know the people you work you made lots of freedom, uh, we're we're increasing liability, and by then telling everyone what we do, we're also increasing liability. Um, it's going to be very difficult for us to. Uh, 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 defend it, you know, if, if we're uh, sued for something that's in our handbook, um, it's going to be very difficult for us to uh, make that go away because uh, our handbook's public and everyone can see it. Um, right. You know, it's so, a, it's so a lo- you know, form of a contract. Of... Right. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the handbook is, is part of the contract of employment, um, you know, and it ties directly to the contract that, that people sign. Um, and so lots of vigorous debate with with um, our lawyers um, and uh, lots of vigorous debate with the the kind of HR um, experts. Um, you know, I think that the although the debate was vigorous, they uh, on all sides, they were you know, they were uh, it was new to them, but they were excited. Uh, and and, uh, you know, once they understood why we wanted to do these things and what the you know, why why taking that risk was worth it. Um, you know, they, they were excited to to kind of uh, go through this with us. Um, and have actually, you know, they've been been really, really great in terms of uh, bridging that gap that, that is often really wide uh, in our industry between um, what traditionally, uh, you know, traditional corporations do for good reason, um, like having their contracts written in capital letters and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, all, all the things that, that we, all the ways that we actually want to work with all you know with with our with our clients and employees um so yeah I'm, I'm i'm really pleased with with the outcome of it um you know it, although it was a lot of work you know far more work than it would have been if we'd have just uh you know just just written this and kept it internal or, or what have you um yeah I, I think worth it 
and I do want to get into actually some of the specific policies and how you came to those. But first, I think it'd be fun to kind of go through in the same order that y'all do, because I think um, that's relevant. Tom, Tom and I are both, both drinking beverages right now. I could hear your pour. It sounded so uh, delicious. It's a good pour. Yeah, <laughs> just pouring out some coffee. <laughs> um, so this seems like it's a, um, it's an open version of how a new employee would be onboarded to all the way to like their actual first days as an employee, and then like all the communication and tools and everything that they'll use, tr- you know, travel yeah. policies. So someone that's thinking about working there is like. If they have questions, they didn't read this <laughs> because like it really yeah. answers a lot of the questions that a potential employee may have. And I'm assuming that was part of your motivation is to kind of reduce that friction and also uh, stand on the shoulders of your own policies to say like, you know, this is a place worth working and we're going to treat you right. Uh, was that part of the motivation for that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that's one of the one of the the key benefits we get is like in some sense of this is this is like pre-sales documentation um you know for for, for folks that we're trying to convince to, to come work here um and uh, you know the beauty of having that be documentation that anyone can can freely access is um people who we don't even have you know know about or have a direct line to may, may well find that and it may well play a part in in uh, kind of convincing them to to apply and that you know that's happened since we've since we've launched it um mm-hmm. uh you know and then the, yeah there's definitely so there's the uh you know the just the the simple thing of like i was answering a bunch of questions over and over again as i was talking to people about joining human made um and you know it would it was just it's nicer now to just be able to point them to a handbook page and say oh you know uh, here's the answer to your question about uh, 401ks uh, you know it's on the, it's on this handbook page and you know by the way read the rest of it because all of that's going to be relevant too um yeah. and also yeah it's it's marketing you know because uh, uh, it we're we're able to hopefully uh, uh, you know show people that, that oh, this, this does actually seem like a great place to work uh, maybe I will apply um so yeah i think but both of those uh, are kind of have been have been beneficial already and one of the big things that um, that you talk about, but really even the subsequent sections are also about, is the base concept of the company. You know, because it's a remote, globally distributed yep. company, so there are certain limitations, and therefore certain uh, things that you do to to make it work. Um, limitations right. in in the sense of like it's empowering as well, but of its limitations compared to a uh, in person. Um, you know, all the things you can get away without when you can look over your shoulder and talk to somebody, yeah. Uh, especially from a communication yeah, standpoint and tools yeah. and things yeah. like that. You know, I, I think that, you know, that somewhat ref- is, is reflective of, um, you know, of, of how we try to talk about, um, the way we work, uh, you know, in terms of being, um, remote first and, um, uh, being very self-led um uh, in terms of our in terms of like the decision making processes with internally um you know uh, uh, it's a conscious decision on our part to not present that as as being a universally uh uh kind of positive uh thing you know like it uh, in the kind of um 
you know, maybe in the way that it's it, it was, uh, I think it was presented in the early days of remote work that it's a, uh, you know, it's a, a kind of, uh, you know, you can just be on holiday all the time working from a pool in the sun or something. Um, right. You know, the, the realities of it is that are that it's a trade off. It's a trade off for for freedom to to make work better fit with your personal life. Um, but you know that that freedom comes with an, some extra responsibilities. Um, you know, and and some uh, so, some uh, kind of uh, challenges around communication and and uh, the, the kind of way way you work day to day. You know, that one isn't a fit for any, everybody, and two. Uh, you know, if we're going to work together effectively as a team, kind of everyone, everyone needs to be on board with. Um, and so, yeah, try, trying to, you know, I think to be honest, I, I, you know, I think there's uh, there's more that I'd like to get in there about kind of the the thinking behind why we work the way we work and uh, uh, and, and and some of that kind of maybe more like philosophical vision stuff. Um, yeah. To help it, kind I, of frame I, that. Yeah. I think, and I think that's interesting in two ways. One is that. Um, I actually think the things that you're forced to do as a remote company can benefit in-person companies tremendously by not using the crutch of we're in person. So let's talk it out right here, especially from like a documentation communication standpoint. But um, also, like you said, like it, I think it, I think this takes experiencing before you believe it, but uh, like working remotely has a lot of potential pitfalls so 80% of your working remotely landing page is um, advice for how not to suffer from those potential pitfalls um, right. in terms right. of you know schedules and turning off communications, getting away, um, and doing all those things. Um, how important has that been for you in terms of uh, maintaining your team and preventing like impulse quitting or you know like right, all, right, all right. sorts of things yeah super important you know i think it's um in some ways it's 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 part of kind of maturing you know maturing as a company um uh and um and you know the the starting to run into some of these challenges that present themselves maybe after you've been working remotely for several years you know maybe some of them take quite a while to start showing um or you don't notice the pattern of them initially um and you put you know you put them down to other things um uh, a, a lot of it also actually um came out of um some really interesting work we were part of last summer um where um uh Catalina Alvarez, who I think uh, is running another study now, actually, that, so, so um, people may have, have heard that name, um, joined uh, joined us as, a, as, a, as an intern as part of her um, master's thesis um, into stress in remote work. So she was she was doing a, a research project into kind of the stress factors that are unique to rem to, to remote working environments, um, and she joined our team and basically observed how we worked internally. Uh, uh, took part in in you know most of the aspects of uh, most of the kind of stuff we're doing day to day, and you know interviewed everybody and did lots of surveys and questionnaires. And out of that came uh, you know like a lot uh, a lot of useful research for her thesis, but also like a ton of learnings for us um, in terms of the the kind of patterns of uh, of, of of stress factors and and uh, side effects to the way we work you know that aren't all always positive um so that was a really great process for us to go through and 
and kind of informed a lot of this stuff of, um, you know, yes, uh, overall, we think, uh, say, having flexible holidays is is uh, a good thing. Um, but, you know, there are potential downsides with something like an unlimited holiday policy um, that you should be aware of. And, you know, um, uh, you need to you need to put things in place to protect against those side effects or those downsides. Um, you know, that it's not as it's not as simple as saying take as much holiday as you need um, in practice, um, I suppose. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I think that's uh, ultimately o- over the long term. I think it's it's those those challenges, you know, just become uh, the challenges you're dealing with. You know, you, you avoid a whole load of challenges that maybe um, a traditional office based company would have by being remote. But, but over time, you discover, well, there's another set associated with with this and uh, you know you, you've just got to decide well rather overall does this fit us better or or, or not um and it's it's not necessarily that one is bad and one is good they're just they're just a different a different sets of challenges i think let's take a quick break to thank one of our partners for this show opt-in monster if you go to optinmonster.com you can see everything that they do but opt-in monster is an awesome lead generation tool that has multiple ways uh, built in to help convert your abandoning visitors into subscribers. You may not know that 70% of visitors who abandon your website will never return. Um, and Optin Monster is going to help you uh, unlock ways to uh, keep those subscribers, get them to submit their email or other lead generation opportunities that may exist on your website. They have a really neat new feature uh, that they just released about a week ago, and it's called Inactivity Sensor. You may be familiar with Optin Monster's exit intent feature, um, where if someone's leaving the browser, it helps the, the pop-up or other lead-in tool uh, to come up. Inactivity sensors uh, explicitly built for mobile so that when the screen is blank um, for a certain amount of time, you can set however many seconds or minutes that you'd like that to be, then the uh, call to action will pop up. And it should make it really helpful for Optin Monster users to be able to um, get folks that are on their phone but uh, left the website aside for a little bit to help keep them before they abandon the experience. And it's specifically built for, for mobile instead of desktop, so it's not based on your mouse routine, but rather the fact that the browser uh, has been inactive for a certain period of time. I personally really like this idea for lead generation that's not uh, as obtrusive as other methods. That's another thing that I like about Optin Monster. It's not just pop-ups. It can be a traditional form where they'll help you track those conversions and do all sorts of integrations with it and make it easy to design them as well. You can also do slide-ins uh, after the post forms and all sorts of other interesting things. If you're going to use any sort of lead-in tool and it is a great way to uh, convert visitors into subscribers, then you should check out Optin Monster. Go to optinmonster.com to learn more about that. And thank you to Optin Monster for being a post-ass partner. I want to ask a little bit more about holidays in a second. But I w- first, based on um, the, the results you got from her work with you and then just generally mm. uh, being a big advocate of this document internally, have you noticed a difference uh, with team members struggling with some of these things, like whether it's remote work or communication or the ability to separate themselves from the company? Have you noticed a positive difference between before it was a, uh, you know, like something that you really worked on 
internally versus now when it's a significant part of both your, of your onboarding experience and your kind of day-to-day employee experience? Right, right. Yeah, hugely so. Um, I think the biggest factor of that is that is is actually tied into tied into working remotely itself, which is when you're working remotely, you can't really see the things that your coworkers are struggling with necessarily. Um, and so if you are um, struggling with imposter syndrome or you're struggling with burnout or you're um, struggling to schedule the work that you're being given around family commitments, it, 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 the default is just to assume that those are things that, that are unique to you. You know, maybe that's a personal failing of yours that you're struggling with those because, you, you know, all you can see is everybody being nice in Slack all the time um, and seeming happy, you know, and so that somewhat, somewhat in the same way that all of your friends on Facebook seem like they lead charmed lives, um, you know, whilst you're really struggling. I think in remote environments, that can be true of work as well. It can seem like everybody at work is is productive and happy, and you're you know you're struggling. Um, and yet, in you know, in reality, th- those things are not unique at all. Everyone's got their own struggles, um, and there are common things around around burnout and and imposter syndrome and uh, and whatnot. You know, which are um, you gain a lot just by just by like sharing as a company that that those are things that that um, you know lots of people are struggling with. Um, and, you know, that once you recognize that, then obviously you can start to do things to actually help, like, uh, you know, to make those things better. Um, so um, I've definitely had a bunch of people say to me directly, you know, just hearing that, that um, you know, that, that other people were struggling with imposter syndrome when they joined Human Made, you know, made a huge difference. I thought it was just me, um, you know, or, or uh, you know, hearing that other people, you know, hearing that this senior developer uh, suffered with burnout, you know, and 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 and, uh, and and that they were happy to write that up internally, uh, you know, that that made me feel a lot better um, that I'm struggling with it too, um, you know, and, and so I think that that's probably been the biggest benefit, and then you know the secondary benefits of just uh, you know then me as the as the kind of uh, business owner, I can I can I can kind of see that pattern and think right, well, what are we going to do about uh, you know to address this uh, you know across the board, um, yeah. <sighs> Did you remind me? Y'all don't have a dedicated HR person right now, or do you? Mm. Is there a formal um, cha- is there a formal channel so, for kind of helping take care of these things, or is it something that the team leads are responsible for? Yeah. So broad, like broadly, I have responsibility for it, but like I'd say that's the um, you know that's uh, that and finances, like humans and finances, broadly are the things I've kept uh, kept. Uh, closest to um and the you know the the client services work the the sales the delivery um uh, is stuff that's led mostly by other people um but then you know i have a i have then a, a team of people around me who actually uh, do a lot of that and um uh, uh uh you know help a lot with that as well i suppose yeah yeah, um, but, but when you know, an... mostly uh, the you know mo- most of this uh, you know I, I do one to one catch ups with everyone in the company um, regularly, um, and so that you know that ends up being a natural channel for a lot of this stuff to flow through. I've often heard that it's difficult for the leader of a company to maintain a close enough one on one relationship with everybody in the company to kind of recognize uh, problem areas or like some see someone struggling. Once you get to yeah. kind of that fifteen to twenty person range, 
Um, totally, totally, yeah, totally agree with that. Yeah. So how do you how do you do how how do you be proactive and giving the kind of support that you can give your employees when you're ten people? How can you remain proactive to not let somebody get lost in the cracks once you're fifty people right, or a hundred right. people or a thousand people? Yeah. So I mean that you know that really is has been a a process we've been through. You know, uh, early on in human made life. Uh, you know, I would do one-to-ones with everybody every month. Um, and so that, you know, you really, you're talking to people um, regularly enough that you really get to know them well um, and you catch uh, issues very early. Uh, and uh, because you, you know, because you've built up a good, a good relationship, you know, people, people are comfortable talking about those things early. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that works very well when you, when you're small, you know, I think you can go, you can go a fairly long way as a founder, just by having that real regular contact with everyone on your team. Um, you know, that totally started to break down with me, you know, for me, um, uh, what, as we grew, you know, doing, um, doing one-to-ones every month with 40 people or something is, is obviously, obviously unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I, by the time I stopped doing that, I was maybe doing two or three one-to-ones every day, um, wow. which, uh, you know, is, uh, <laughs> talk was, about burnout was, potential, <laughs> right. That, that's clear, clear, clearly wasn't sustainable. Um, uh, you know, and so the, I think that, the um, you know, like I got a, a huge amount from, from doing them. Um, and I still do, I still do them. I, I still do them every three months, uh, even now. Um, but I think that, that, that uh, you know, the things that we've done to to um, provide that support and, it's you know, it's not so much it's not even just that, like, uh, you know, I don't really have time to talk to that many people um, or that it takes so much of my time that then I can't do other things which I need to do. Um, it's also that because I'm uh, the larger the company gets, the less, uh, you know, the, the more distance there is between me and whatever it is that person's doing. Um, mm-hmm. And so I actually I'm not even a useful person for them to talk to about a lot of things because um, I don't have the context. Uh, you know, I can't I can't really provide useful day to day feedback because I don't know the detail of the project they're working on. Um, and so uh, it, it's not just that I get uh, burned out or, you know, that I could try harder to keep doing them. It's that I actually also become much less effective at doing them, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, as I get further away. Um, so, yeah, I think I think, you know, things you can do. Um, like, you know, obviously, uh, the, the kind of company as it grows generally naturally forms into teams. And, you know, that's an obvious function of a team lead to be checking in uh, regularly. Um, and so we have that, you know, team leads are checking in every month. Um, we have a really large developer group. Um, and so we actually there, instead of having a single team lead, we have like a, a developer buddy group, which is essentially a group of engineers who buddy with, um, uh, you know, four or five uh, other engineers and they do one-to-ones as a little group. Um, and then also, you know, each buddy is also then in someone else's groups. So they themselves get one-to-ones. And so that kind of then becomes a, uh, uh like a, a kind of self-support network, um, you know, which has worked well. Um, and I think also just like the more that we've, the more that we've like talked about this stuff internally, the more we've, uh, uh, kind of brought this stuff into the handbook and gone through this like research protests with Kathleena and shared all of that internally just like the better we've got um, as a group of people at like recognizing these things supporting each other 
um, you know, reaching out if it seems like someone is struggling. Um, and so I think, you know, you can you can also build a lot of this into your culture so that, um, uh, you know, in any of the uh, day to day interaction, the kind of day to day interaction of, of, of everyone in the company, uh, you know, people are kind of watching out for each other, basically, and taking care of each other. Um, and I think, you know, that that uh, uh, that that's also a really important aspect of it. Um, but do you is is it an important part of it to have uh those proactive one one on ones um within those teams or is it is it just a cultural element um so like if let's say let's say Joe leads a team within the you know the technology side mm. at, or like mm. someone within sales like do they do they have is it part of their job to say here's a here's a one-on-one thing and then they report that kind of up to you essentially to say our my team is you know good i'm I'm, we met with everybody this month and all is good or like here's an issue that i think that we need to keep an eye on or is that part of the process with yeah so you know i think that that's very important um i you know like i think you as as like someone who is doing a job at human made you want to be able to you want to be able to talk to somebody who's close to that job so that you can talk about the worries and the uh, struggles that you're having with with whatever it might be, um, and so that you can get really specific feedback um, on on how you're doing. Um, and so, if you're a developer working on a project, you want to talk to to some with someone who's close enough to that that they can give you feedback on uh, how your commit messages are, say, or um, mm-hmm. you know whether your uh, the work you're doing has as is. Uh, you know, to the standard that the project needs or something, you know, people, people really value that level of feedback. Um, And so I think at that level, you need to be able to talk to someone regularly, who who is close enough to the work you're doing. So often that is like a team lead, or um, we have transient project teams, so a a, a project manager and a lead developer, and then as, as many other developers as are needed, will work on a project for a period of time. And so within that group, it makes sense for there to be a, a one-to-one, uh, you know, uh, a kind of uh, structure going on, you know, with maybe the project managers doing one-to-ones with everyone in the team or the lead developer or something. Um, and, you know, so I think that serves one purpose. You know, I think another purpose is is like uh, um, being able to talk about like professional development and um, and, and, mm. and things tied to, to like, uh, you know, kind of more meta stuff with your role over a longer period of time. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that, you know, that, that needs to be some with someone who can uh, give you meaningful feedback over that arc of time and who can uh, maybe uh, feed that into things like salary discussions. Um, and so those, you know, those often uh, then, you know, those often need to be with like a team lead rather than a PF, say. Um, uh, and then there's the there's the stuff like, you know, I've got a serious issue to raise or, um, you know, I want to talk about some that something that's to do with the direction of the company, um, you know, stuff like that, which, you know, as I'm still, you know, the size you made it, I'm still the best person to talk to about those. Um, uh, you know, my role gives me the the broadest overview of everything we're doing and uh, the, the, hopefully the clearest sense of why we're doing it and where we're going. And so. Um, you know that I tend to find now that that's what I fo- I'm focused on in my one-to-ones. Like, uh, you know, what are you worried about? How do you think the company's doing? Um, you know, uh, those kinds of issues that, that I'm there then best, you know, best place to address. Uh, I think one of the fears that people have, um, whether it's going to work for a larger company um, as an employee, but also I think a lot of people that run companies have this fear that as they grow. Um, it, the company will kind of 
grow out of its funness <laughs> in a way. Right, uh, right, right. You know, like the culture, the quote culture will kind of go away. Uh, yeah. Due to the nature of corporatocracy and kind of how things evolve. Uh, is that a fear that y'all have had, uh, including in like establishment of documentation like this? And I guess, how do you maintain culture and create procedure? Because a lot of times it seems like it maybe maybe this is a false assumption, but like sometimes the most fun kind of culture environment is when like you don't think about the bad stuff that you have to deal with or like the, you know, the important, <laughs> like humid stuff. Yeah. I didn't phrase that yeah. well, but I think, yeah, you know I, mean, I mean, um, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think that's something that, um, uh, uh, every, I would say everyone at human made has worried about, uh, to some degree, uh, for the entire time that we've been going, um, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's something we all spend a lot of time talking about internally, and uh, when we have um, company meetups or or, or or our annual retreat, um, or there's like town hall sessions or whatever, you know, that's we're often focused on on the how we're growing and the effect that that's having on how we work, um, and the the things that we're doing that now no longer seem to be working as well as they once did due to the due, due to the size that we now are. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, so I think that is, um, and, you know, and I say, I say that that's something we're all worried about. Like it's, I think for good reason, because it's something that you really do need to keep, um, a close eye on. Um, and you see it over and over yeah. again. Right. Right. Uh, like I remember companies. as seven people, I remember as seven people, we were sat around, uh, worrying about what would happen when we got to 10 people. And then I remember worrying about, you know, what, what would happen when we got to 15 people. Maybe we don't ever want to grow past being 15 people. Um, and, you know, you, you, there's always this kind of assumed inflection point that, that's just at the brow of whatever hill you're climbing. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, we, we've definitely faced a bunch of those. Um, you know, I think 50, 60 people, which is where we are now, you know, also feels like one is often talked about being uh, one. Um, you know, I think broadly the way the way you that we've approached um, uh, kind of solving that or making sure that we're not losing sight of that um, is is one to to keep talking about it. You know, to all be aware that mm -hmm. um, we've got something good going here and we want to protect that and we want to improve it. You know, and that really as we grow, um, we should be growing in such a way that it does improve it. You know. Um, yeah. it, it, I, in fact, I, I kind of, I even dislike thinking about culture as something, you know, as like a delicate flower that you've grown that somehow everyone you add to the company, you know, then jeopardizes. Um, uh, you know, I think that um, if you're doing that, that means you're growing in the wrong way. And that gr as you grow, you know, that culture should be growing. Um, and you yeah. should be able to look back and think, hey, we're, we're better than we were last year. Um, you know, because we've added all these great new people, um, and we're working together in, you know, in these great ways. Um, I think both the addition of people and procedures, like it, it can feel yeah. natural that procedure, uh, kind of is a culture minus, um, but yeah. like your culture is going to change yeah. whether you have procedures or not. And it seems to me like if when I look at, especially in the startup space, like fast moving companies, it seems like some of the companies where their where their culture has gotten away from them in a bad way, 
Um, like yeah. if you look, if you look at some of the things that have happened at places like even big corporations that you see pub- publicly, like GitHub or or Uber, even a larger scale. Right, right. For sure. Maybe yeah. maybe yeah. the attempt to uh, salvage culture as you grow at the at the cost of reducing uh, policies to deal with things had a, a, actually had a negative effect versus approaching things kind of head on and saying like these are our policies and they're important for the for the creation and maintenance of a culture of a positive workplace uh, versus establishing culture as the the fairy you know <laughs> firefly like you were talking about um, I do think that it seems like that's probably that gut reaction of saying these policies are going to not make us human. We're going to not be the same human made anymore because we have these more people mm-hmm. and more policies mm-hmm. and we're more, it makes us more corporate but maybe it's actually right. kind of the inverse because you actually, as you grow, you have more diversity in your team and the situations that you encounter. So having policies to deal with these things and being proactive and creating new policies as new situations come up and as you encounter new situations, that actually helps you maintain your original culture, which I guess culture, the, the, the utopia of like a great culture is that you create a place that people want to work for the long term. That's your goal as a founder is to keep your people and keep them doing Absolutely. a job. Yeah. Right, right. Like that's, the, that's the business reason for us to do this is that, that we have low turnover. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's great for, our, you know, great, great for our business. Um, you know, I think if you're a super fast growing company, like an, you know, like a startup, like an Uber or, or whatever, you know, where you're, you're you're adding people so quickly that um uh you know that all you can really do is bring in um uh you know well-trodden management uh, techniques and and systems and procedures um in a you know and and and, uh, and apply those to everybody and uh uh, uh you know, you've got no time to, to, to really figure out what's working and what isn't because you're running as fast as you possibly can. You know, I think that that is a unique, a unique problem. Um, and, you know, it's very, it's very difficult to do that without uh, it just being painful for everyone involved. And I think, you know, broadly, startups are just pain now for gain later. And I think that the culture is the same there. Um, and, you know, hopefully you don't destroy it so much that the whole company implodes like, like Uber. Uh, Are y'all strategically pacing growth or is it the type of thing where you're growing and hiring based on just work comes in and you need new people? Like, how are you balancing these things? Right. Like, it's definitely a balance. um, But but broadly, we're grow. We're we're broadly we're building a company that's going to last. And so um, the health of 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 the team is is the most important thing um and so certainly we will uh you know maybe we go through a period of hiring and there's a bunch of new people that have started um and i can then see uh you know oh, we, we need to spend a bit of time uh figuring this problem out but that's then thrown up like uh one that came up recently that's come up recently has been um like how we go about figuring out who's going to work on what project uh, that's coming in you know some, something that was very easy and didn't actually really require much procedure um, when we were smaller, uh, you know, it's, gets more, it's got more challenging as we've uh, got to the point where maybe we're trying to schedule 30 developers' time uh, and match that to, you know, 10 different projects or five different projects or whatever. Um, and so, uh, you know, then I have a sense, well, we can't just keep piling developers into one end of this. Like, we need to uh, we need to work on solving that, figure out as a team 
uh, how how we should be doing that better. And then that you know that then allows the next uh, uh, set of hiring to happen. Um, uh, you know more kind of smoothly. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely kind of always thinking of that um, uh, for sure. Hmm. Let's dive into a couple of specifics of policies that y'all came up with, and I'm just kind of curious why you came up with them and and you know i think there's several policies and uh things that y'all have in here that someone reads and they're like wow that's different than like your norm you know yeah sure. Um, yeah so let's start with uh you you have a vacation policy that's 28 days mm-hmm. per year uh it says you can take more and you're entitled to a minimum of 28. So does that mean like yeah. you want people to always take the 28 or is it cuz I've heard like unlimited vacation just means people don't take vacation but then like minimum if you say mandatory vacation then it could like conflict with someone's desired project schedule completion or whatever. So like is this neither of those things? Yeah, or is so it minimum I, you know, I'd say broadly yeah, it's um, we had a, you know we we had uh, an unlimited vacation policy for, for several years. That was the, the kind of the way the way we thought about how we did vacation when we were when we were smaller and few, through the first few years. And yeah, broadly we ran into the problem of, of no one really taking vacation. Um, and I think you know the reasoning for that is quite simple, and that's that as a company you're not really setting the expectation um, as to how much vacation is reasonable to take. Um, and so for someone just starting who doesn't really have the confidence to uh, to define that themselves, well, they're just going to not take any or they're going to, you know, they're going to. And that becomes self-reinforcing because then the next person that joins looks around and sees that no one else is really taking any. Um, so then they think, well, maybe that is the expectation here. So I better not take any either if I want to keep my job. Um, whereas from my point of view, as the as, as the, uh, you know, thinking about the long term health of human made, I really you know, one, a, a really important part of, of people being here for the long term is that we're working in a really sustainable way. Um, and, uh, you know, we've I've experienced firsthand the problems of, of people overworking and not taking enough time off. And that's, you know, they burn out and uh, that's terrible for them and, and terrible for the company. And so the point with a 28 day minimum um, was really for us to just set that expectation internally. Uh, so that when people join, or maybe when people are unsure about how much holiday it's reasonable to take, they've got some place to start from. Um, but it's not it's not some kind of fixed uh, uh, number that we're holding people to at the upper end. If you uh, you know if you have been on a particularly stressful project and need some extra time off, or uh, there's a great chance to go uh, on a holiday, or, or or what have you, you know pe- people do uh, regularly take more than that. Um, and that's totally fine too. And you know, some people sometimes people take less than that, um, and uh, you know that can be fine too. Um, uh, but you know, if someone's taking significantly less than that uh, for a, like years on end, you know that that's that's uh, a, a potentially a big problem. Um, and so it's useful. It's useful to set that expectation internally. I assume that when you're planning a project, you say, okay, well, this person's going to be on the project for three months, but we should also anticipate that they're going to take off a week and a half or something during that time. So it's just becomes right, a part right. of planning. So it does. Yeah. And you know, that, that adds into the challenge of planning um, because um, people don't have a fixed allowance and they're not booking holidays off ahead of time at the beginning of the year or something. Um, and so, uh, you know, there has to be a good way for, 
people to uh, let their team know that they're planning on taking some holidays off and figure out when's a good time um, and who's going to uh, take over the things they're responsible for while they're off. And, um, and so, uh, you know, kind of like I was saying at the beginning, that kind of trade off between freedom and responsibility comes into play there, too. Uh, you know, we're broadly giving people the freedom to uh, take the holidays uh, that, as, as it best suits them. But they've also got to take responsibility for um, being a productive member of the team. Um, yeah. And so, and you know, I it's think... it's on, on them to figure that out. Um, it's what, you know, it's clearly on us to make sure we're not putting so much work on people that they actually can't take holiday. Uh, so it's it's uh, a balance between all of those things. And I think that... Um... You know, the vacation policy one is just a good example of one thing that y'all do. Uh, but mm. This kind of goes across the board because anybody sane would look at this 28 days from your first year. Uh, there's no there's no earn uh, tenure, which is very common, especially in the U.S. That's like yeah. you might get five days your first year or something or 10 days right, your right whatever until five years and then 15 yeah, days that's very that. common you know in, in the uk as well um to have that stuff I, i've generally found that most of those you know you have to do something before you earn it i just kind of just give uh, just require extra effort on our part to track those things and there's always exceptions when someone you really trust joins and they need to take a week out and they haven't earned it yet you make an exception and so it just starts to be like well why are we even why are we even uh, bothering to to mandate that frankly if someone joins and sneaks in some holiday before they've really earned it and then leaves i mean you know that's that's a risk i'm willing to take yeah i do you think that um this these policies and again the holiday policy is one example y'all have pretty generous and i think a lot of company owners would look at this and be like okay yeah this can work for them you know uh, paternity leave, which is very uncommon in the United States, uh, sure. year-long yeah. maternity leave, which has law basis, uh, law-driven basis in some places, but y'all don't have to do that everywhere, and certainly yeah. sure. to pay full salary and all these things. And this kind of yeah. goes across the board. That's uh, awesome for human-made. Would be mm. <laughs> the type of thing someone might say, like, okay, these right. people. You know, they're remote, they have different stuff, they can afford it, they charge differently. I can't do that. Can a smaller company do that? Can a different type of company do that? Do you think this is something that's a transferable policy or concept? Um, absolutely. You know, we did these things when we were small. Um, we haven't always been remote. You know, we were all in the same office and we did those thing, these things too then. Um, and so um, I don't think that they are... Uh, luxuries that we can afford because we have, um, uh, you know, because we're in a privileged position. Um, uh, I think that they are the uh, a big part of the reason why we have uh, been able to find the success that we have. Um, I, you know, I, I'm often talking to uh, founders of other companies um, and uh, uh, on the one hand, they say things to me like, um, I can't imagine... Uh, being able to trust everybody to take whatever holidays they need, um, or I can't imagine being able to give uh, my team a year's maternity. Uh, you know, they'd all take that off, and and then we'd go bankrupt. Um, and then, uh, you know, five minutes later, they're telling me how challenging the hiring environment is right now. 
um, or how they have uh, had a post that they've been unable to fill. Um, and so, you know, I think that um, those two things go hand in hand. Um, and I think that the, the 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 kind of fears, like I have those fears too, the, the kind of reaction you have as a business owner when you uh, think about letting people take whatever holiday they need or letting people uh, work from home and thus you don't really know what they're doing um, or uh, letting people uh, expense things without asking for uh, permission first. Um, <laughs> it's it's easy to worry about to, to worry about what could possibly go wrong, and you know all of all of the ways that that could uh, go wrong. Um, and and I I even find myself doing that. Um, uh, but broadly, you know the the experience I've had uh, trusting people not to do that has been that um, you know I've. They, people have always exceeded my expectations in terms of uh, not being the bad apples um, that, that you might assume they're going to be. Um, and, um, uh, the, you know, the benefits then in terms of uh, like the, the kind of organizational procedure and policy debt that you that you build up if you want to try and, 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 and protect against all of those possible side effects as mm. Uh, you know, you avoid all of that, which is which is great. You know, that's great for me as the business owner to not have to be, uh, say, tracking every penny that everybody spends and, uh, you know, producing reports on it and, and, and bring, bringing people up when they've bought one a coffee too much or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's useful for me to be able to avoid all of that. For one, it's nice for people to not feel like uh, they're, they're, they're uh, you know, I'm breathing down their neck or whatever. Um, and, you know, you, you build a you build a culture of people who um respect the fact that they've got the ability to do these these things but um you know just because we've got a, a maternity and paternity policy that say that you can you know you can take as much time as you need in the first year um that doesn't mean at all that everybody takes an entire year off mm. um, in fact you know that hasn't actually happened at all yet we've had uh, several people go on maternity and paternity no no one has, has taken an entire year um some, some, you know, some that it, it, the the um, the flexibility to be able to do that is reassuring. Um, and sometimes people take some time off, come back, maybe then take, um, you know, maybe they realize they've come back too soon, go back off again for a bit, come back in a part time capacity. Um, you know, so that that flexibility uh, is useful uh, and, and actually helps you um, maybe not need to take uh, such a long time off because uh, you know you can come back part time or whatever. Um, and you know, the reassurance that it's there if you need it. Um, you know, uh, 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 is also uh, valuable. Um, and, and then I think, you know, I think the other aspect of that is if you're, if you're, the benefits of these things are lower attention, right? So you're hiring someone who's mm -hmm. going to be here for five, 10 years. And so you can then measure the cost of these things over that lifetime. You know, and you think, okay, well, if someone did take an entire year off, but they're here 10 years, that's still nine years that they've worked. And so actually the, the, a year off in that, along that time scale doesn't sound quite as serious as someone joining for six months taking a year off and then quitting um which you know understandably sounds scary as a business owner um so yeah trying to have that long-term view yeah uh, makes these things and that easier. that does lead into what i'll make my final question which is do you have budgetary measures in in place so that you can kind of guess or know roughly what benefits are going to cost so in a theoretical example, let's say someone makes sixty thousand U.S. dollars a year. Um, 
do you say, okay, from a company standpoint, we need $100,000 in order to pay for that? Or like, is there a number? Do y'all have a ratio or anything that you can you look, look at in order to say like, so that someone else can say, okay, I want to do this. This looks great. How do, how do I make right. a plan for it? Right, right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, that, that's a really important point um, uh, you touch on, which is that um, the the generosity or the freedom or the um uh, you know the 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 the, the um, maybe laid back nature of 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 these policies um doesn't at all reflect um uh, on back on the business you know the, the, it doesn't at all reflect uh, us uh, being laid back as a business when it comes to like running the finances um you know i we have a uh, you know we we uh, 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 taking that very seriously and, uh, and making sure that we're, you know, running a, a business that's sustainable and profitable. And we, um, yeah, we absolutely know how much our benefits cost and, uh, uh, yeah, what, what, you know, what that works out to as a percentage of salary costs and, uh, you know, the, um, the, 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 how, how all of that works, you know, um, and how that com- uh, compares say to the, you know, the kind of standard, the, the standards of the, of the of agency businesses uh, mm-hmm. you know, that might not do these things. Is there some um, kind of percentage that you would be able to share? Is it to? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know it off the top of my head, but we do have that. I know I could go into uh, our, uh, our uh, spreadsheets and uh, financial spreadsheets and find it. Um, I actually think it's something that I'd like us to, to be sharing more. Mm-hmm. Um, in, uh, you know, so I think, I think there is, uh, there is useful stuff to share there in terms of like, you know, how, how we have done it. Cause I mean, again, you know, from the outside, it really can look like this is a luxury that some, that we're uniquely able to afford. Um, and you know, I think that's a myth. It's mostly a myth that I, uh, I think we could help usefully dispel by, by sharing like the, the nitty gritty, uh, of the behind the scenes of how that actually works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know the percentage off the top of my head. Um, my, my gut kind of tells me that like generally it's probably a decent policy. If someone say you're paying 60,000, at least have 90,000 available for that person. And probably more than that. Um, maybe even better would be say like take someone's salary, double it. And that's your, uh, maybe that's your budget for supporting that individual. Um, Right, absolutely, and you know, in a in an agency setting where you've you know you've obviously got non billable roles too, um, so you have to factor those in. You know, what's your percentage of billable to non billable, and thus, uh, uh, you know, how how does that then factor into mm. to your revenue needs or whatever? Um, and so there's definitely you know there's, there's there's kind of a whole lot that goes into that. Like broadly, uh, you know, the the, the agency model of uh, uh, like I think if you're doing things well, you're you're bringing in, uh, you know, 150,000 per person or something. And, uh, and, and with a, say 20%, uh, uh, profit margin on top or something, um, of, of your costs, which are mostly, you know, your costs as an agency are mostly people related costs. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of generally once it all breaks right, down, like it's dollars per head. Pretty, right. Pretty good in the industry. You know, I think in the UK, uh, when I talk to, to to other UK agencies, it's like you know, hundred thousand pounds is is okay. If you're doing one hundred twenty thousand pounds per person, uh, you know, then then you're probably uh, doing really well. Um, and and you know, certainly when uh, you know when I'm comparing the business fundamentals of Human Made to other uh, agencies, uh, you know, that we compare very well. Like we're not a uh, 
we're not like a worse business underneath because of these things. You know, we're more profitable, I think, because we do them um, than, than, than we would be otherwise. Um, well, I mean, like I said before, if we really only got into a small portion of the, the handbook that you'll put out there. So I think people should definitely read the handbook, um, whether you're like an employee and just kind of curious about what a company's looking at, because whether a company publishes this stuff or not, these are things that mm -hmm. are on their mind. Um, or if you're involved in the hiring process at all, or you run your own company, I think y'all set um, a really nice standard, at least for our industry, but potentially for kind of cross industry stuff for the type of things that are out there and available in terms of benefits and the type of things that um, potential employees might look for. And some, just for a little bit of a supportive uh, proof, I think it's pretty obvious and I, I'm a little bit aware of this because I, I see a lot of companies in the WordPress space and um, mm. there's very, I've seen percentage wise, it seems like human made has very little turnover compared to others in our industry um, that are great companies and within industry standards and whatnot as themselves, maybe even better in terms of uh, being able to keep employees. But like y'all's is definitely uh pretty unique in terms of your ability to maintain people and uh, keep them at human made, which in itself is a significant cost savings because you're spending probably, you know, thousands of dollars per person just in recruiting. So. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think that, that ultimately is, is, is the, uh, the, the, the proof in the pudding for us that we're looking for, you know, is are we, are we, uh, are we creating a business that, that or a company that people want to work for, work for, for, for the long term? And, you know, are we able to continue to do that as we grow? It's one thing doing these things, you know, when you are a, a, a quite a small company, um, you know, uh, but I think a lot of people look at that and think, oh, well, it would never work, uh, you know, for us because we're, we're bigger. Um, and so, you know, that, that motivates me to, 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 to show, well, actually, no, you, you absolutely can. Um, and, you know, actually, we're better, we're better for it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tom, for uh, joining me. And everybody go to handbook.hmn.md to uh, learn more about Human Made's policies and use an ex as an example. And I'm sure Human Made is hiring. If all this sounded interesting to you, this was probably a big job ad. Um, so it was, that was my, <laughs> that was my goal all along. <laughs> I figured so. Nah, so, uh, yeah, um, thanks. Actually, for, the, the, the biggest thing I would love to come out of this, it would be for people to read the handbook, um, and, uh, you know, get feed feedback to us on things we're missing. Maybe there are things that you're doing, your company or, uh, you know, that we could learn from or be doing better. Um, you know, I certainly mostly, based how we do things at human made on a mishmash of things I've learned from other companies. And so my hope is if we can contribute back to that in some small way, uh, you know, that would make me happy. Awesome. Well, thanks Tom for joining me and we will catch y'all next time on post status draft.